We got our license in 2014, and we were, you know, strictly analog. Switching to HD has, has actually been quite a challenge, but not because implementing HD should be a challenge. On this edition of Radio Survivor, a high school radio station in California is blazing its own trail, adopting digital broadcasting ahead of other low-powered stations. But because there's nothing out there that's available that makes it easy for LPFM to adopt HD radio simply because nobody believes there's an interest right now in doing that. This station is also uniquely integrated into the school's educational curriculum. You do want to learn more. Welcome to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. My name is Paul Reesmanel, and I'm one of your hosts. And joining me from San Francisco, California, via Skype, is Jennifer Waits, our other host for today. Hello. Good to be here. Thanks for coming back, Jennifer. It's been a while since you've been on the show, and uh, we're, we're glad to have you on, especially for today's show, because this one's exciting. Um, we're going to talk about a really interesting high school radio station in Vacaville, California. And it originally came on our radar because um, the guy who set it up, his name is Ralph Martin, um, he, he contacted us. Uh, that's how a lot of our subjects come through. We learn about interesting stations and there's thing, things going on in radio um, because uh, listeners drop us a line or readers drop us a line. By the way, you can do that at podcast at radiosurvivor.com. And he was telling us that he's got pretty much the only low power FM station that uses HD radio, that uses digital radio technology that many of you may have probably heard of and maybe even heard of advertised on like a local commercial station or even heard advertised on a local public station, um, which, you know, provides digital transmission technology and also provides extra channels that if you have an HD radio receiver, you can hear. As we'll talk about later in the show, it's, it's sometimes a little bit of a controversial topic among some in radio and especially in non-commercial radio, but it's, it's a fascinating story, Jennifer, uh, that, uh, of what they do and, and fascinating, uh, beyond just the fact that they're doing HD radio. Yeah. I mean, fascinating. I was talking to a friend this morning about how this is a total nerd topic today, you know, as I was throwing out acronyms at her, like LPFM and HD. Um, so it's great for all the radio nerds, but also for radio content aficionados like myself. Um, it's, I'm blown away by the variety of things that they're doing on this high school radio station as well. And I want to say it's not just for the radio nerds, although I know many, many, many of the people who listen to Radio Survivor are radio nerds. But if you, I say any, that fondly, too. Of course, yes. But I want to say, you know, if you don't consider yourself a radio nerd, please stay with us. Uh, I think there's something of interest to learn from anyone who is – who who loves radio in general, whether you, you nerd out on it, whether you, you know, we, it's not all technical talk. We'll be talking quite a bit as Jennifer, as you know, about, uh, about like programming and doing, I think innovative programming with youth and high school students on this station. So I think, um, you know, anyone who, who kind of enjoys listening to radio and has an interest in it, uh, is really going to enjoy this interview. Yeah, Definitely. Before we jump in, I just wanted to make sure I clear up some terms we'll be throwing around a lot in the show. Low Power FM Radio is also known as LPFM, and it's a class of non-commercial stations that's been around since about 2000. 
The Federal Communications Commission licensed new LPFM stations in 2000 and in 2013. As a result, thousands of new community, college, and high school radio stations have gone on the air. Now, HD radio is a digital radio technology used in the United States that has been around since about 2002. It allows regular AM or FM radio stations to also include a digital signal alongside their traditional analog signal. A purported benefit of the digital signal is lower noise and static than analog radio, but it also has a smaller reception area, which which we talk about with Ralph in this interview. A station can have several different audio channels with HD radio, kind of like how digital television stations have these extra sub-channels that broadcast these uh, new networks like MeTV. However, HD radio signals are mostly only received in newer model cars because the system is only widely supported in car radios. Uh, Because of this and the expense of broadcasting HD radio as we talk about, it's unusual for community, college, high school, and low-power FM stations to broadcast with HD radio technology. Now, KVCB-LP in Vacaville, California is the exception to that rule. Ralph Martin is the Conservatory Education Director for Vacaville Christian Schools and Operations Coordinator for KVCB-LP the low-power radio station run by the schools. To start, Ralph begins the story of why and how KVCB even tried to start broadcasting with HD radio. We really have to go back to the first LPFM window that we were kind of locked out of back in 2000 um, because of the uh, Congress changing the third adjacent channel interference rules. And so we weren't able to do it. So we had to wait for 13 years. And so um, when I got the um, window uh, possibility uh, in 2013, things had changed in radio, you know, uh, you know, between 2000 and today, the, um, you know, television went digital, um, HD radio started becoming a, an issue in the FM band. And the way people listen to uh, content has changed. In 2000, most people didn't have a smartphone. Today, that's different. And so what I wanted to do was I wanted to find out, well, where is LPFM's position in this change? What's going on here? And everything I I had heard and, and seen on the internet as far as chatter on HD and uh, LPFM is it was kind of a, a negative thing for, for very legitimate uh, reasons. And But there was no discussion about LPFM's place, you know, what if HD is the thing and we have to deal with it? Where is LPFM's place in all of this? And how do we make that that ultimate change that's going to happen whether we like it or not into, uh, you know, digital media? And so I wanted to make sure that we were at least in place for that. And so I wanted to start the discussion and do more than that, actually implement it and see how it works and find out how much help we're actually going to get with this change. And um, so far, it's been doable. And so when you say you're you're kind of looking forward, you're, you're wondering what happens if HD radio becomes like a new standard for FM radio in the way that digital television is the new standard analog television went away? Is that kind of the eventuality you're planning for? That's what I'm planning for. And of course we never know what the future is going to hold, but uh, you know, someday um, something's got to change. And um, I wanted to at least 
be part of the discussion and part of the process of that change. Has the station been HD the entire time that you've had the LPFM signal? No, 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 no. We've only been HD for, well, since March. Okay. So so we're, we're very new at the HD thing. Uh, we, we got our license in 2014, and we were, you know, strictly analog. Switching to HD has, has actually been quite a challenge, but not because implementing HD should be a challenge, but because there's there's nothing out there that's available um, in terms of equipment that makes it easy for LPFM to adopt HD radio simply because nobody believes there's an interest right now in doing that. And if you would look at the discussion on the web, you'd find that, you know, that, that, that kind of bears out. Um, the discussion just hasn't been there for that kind of a, a change. So everything seems to be more geared toward commercial stations making that switch and not really LPFM. So what did you have to do to implement HD radio? I mean, so we have both folks, I think, here in our audience who who are uh, familiar with, with you know, transmitter technology. But we have also a lot of radio enthusiasts who, who don't, you know, really know much about uh, what goes on in the, in the transmission chain. I mean, what did you have to do? Did you have to buy equipment? Did you have to get new antennas, a new transmitter? What had to happen here? Well, almost all of that. Um, fortunately, because I knew um, – going into the second window when we finally got our license that uh, that digital was possible, I had to find out what kind of equipment was necessary to at least help us, you know, as far as the transmitter is concerned, what transmitter should we purchase that's going to make it easy to move to a digital format if that uh, becomes an, an option. And there was really only one transmitter that came close and um, the only reason is their LPFM certified version um, that they sell is actually a version of their um, regular um, commercial translator um, unit that's been certified for LPFM with some modifications. And though it's it's set up for HD, I don't think it was done with LPFMs going to HD in mind. But at least the you know the the um, the skeleton is there, you know, to kind of fit in there and fit, you know, and put, you know, make some alterations and 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 make it happen. So that's really um, where the start was, if that if that makes any sense. It was a matter of getting something available, and there really isn't much available. Right. So what you're saying is is basically that you you have to have a transmitter specifically designed for digital radio for HD radio, and that nobody's really designing them because you know low power FM. LPFM, right? The low power is an important part of that. Yeah, it's a catch-22. Uh, the FCC requires an LPFM certified transmitter. You can't just go out and buy any transmitter. So that limits already a lot of the transmitters that LPFM stations can purchase. And then out of that small, small list of transmitters that you can get, um, which one of those are actually open to uh, the LPFM conversion is a little more difficult. And I think that that's where the problem is. The conversation has to move toward uh, digital conversion so that the manufacturers see some kind of advantage to making um, their equipment more uh, HD radio um, friendly. Do you have colleagues who are also doing that? I'm curious, are you the only one or do you know of other stations doing LPFM and HD? So far, I'm the only one. There's others that have thought about it, but nobody ever talking about, well, let's see if if the technology works. Let's see if a a 100-watt radio station can operate with, uh, you know, minus 14 dB, which runs you down to, what, 4 watts. 
Um, and if that actually has the penetration and the uh, ability to to give the listener a decent experience when they tune in, right? So let let me let me kind of translate this for folks who may not you know be so familiar with with a lot of the technical terms, but but in effect, you know, all HD radio stations have an analog and a digital signal, right? And the analog signal runs at whatever your rated power is. So for a low-power FM station, that's 100 watts. That's the limit that, that, that a low-power FM station can use. And if you're talking about a big commercial station, maybe it's 10,000 watts or 25,000 watts. But the HD part of it, the digital part of the signal, which sort of rides along on the side of the analog signal – is limited to running at no more than 10% of that full power, right? So I guess for, for your station, uh, the effective limit, although it's always, uh, you know, there, there are other technical factors that go into that determination, would be about no more than 10 watts of digital power, of power behind your HD signal. Yeah, that's the law. No more than 10 watts. But again, now you're dealing with other issues. Um, for instance, uh, there is no transmitter on the market that can handle um, 10 watts um, along with the 100-watt analog signal oh, really? that, is, that is available for LPFM. There's a lot of technical things. It's, it's really tough to get a transmitter that has that much headroom. So hopefully, if more LPFM stations start taking an interest in um, – this type of thing that uh, the the engineers and these manufacturers will get together and say, you know, maybe we can do something to kind of help this work. But if you're if if there's only one LPFM doing HD radio, obviously there's no interest in making that change. So I just uh, and my my goal is to start the conversation at least. Right, and so the transmitter you had to buy, you said, is is intended for translators, and those are repeater stations. Those are low power right. repeater stations that that any full power station can use to to fill in gaps in its reception area. And so, right. was that more expensive than say just buying your typical off the shelf uh, analog low power FM transmitter? Yeah. Oh yeah, it, it, it is. By it's, by it's, what kind of factor do you think it was? Is it two, three times more expensive? Well, I mean, I, I can give you numbers. I mean, we were looking at uh, – I had to pull everything together in terms of a transmitter. I, I, th- um, I think at the time they were running around $8,000 for for the VS300. I've heard it's down a lot more. I think it's down around 5000 So it's already becoming you know, well within the realm of what LPFM can handle. I mean, I, I would say to any LPFM operator, get the best transmitter you can possibly afford. And that's just for the, for the plain old low-power FM transmitter. Yeah, it's yeah. 5000 yeah, maybe as much as $8,000. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that realm is is something, you know, you don't want to skimp on the transmitter. I mean, you can skimp on almost everything but the transmitter. So even if you're not going to um, HD radio, I'd certainly recommend um, getting a transmitter that that's very reliable and, and strong no matter what. And that's why and you know, I'm not getting a kickback from that. No, sure. And, and then you had to add the HD part. And so that must have been it, additional cost. Yeah, that was an additional cost. You're looking at a good ten to fifteen grand. Wow, you know, to, to to move it. It sounds like a, it sounds like a lot, and it is. I mean, I couldn't afford it myself, though. I kicked in, you know, about five grand myself. You get people who kind of believe in what you do, and they help. Uh-huh. You know, we don't we don't get a lot of uh, we don't get a lot we don't get like funding from any. Um, foundation it's all from listeners and parents and people who believe in what what we do in the school who said you know we'll kick in as much as we can 
Um, and so, you know, th- 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 there's an excitement that allows people to say, you know, this this might be something worth pursuing. And so we get into it. I think it can be a lot cheaper than this, but I think the discussion has to be there. Right. And it's it's tough for, for I think, a low-power FM station to sort of to, to sort of justify it because I mean, I guess my question is you, you talked about how, you know, at this point, you know, the digital side runs at four Watts could run as much as 10 Watts, a 10th of the power of your regular signal. I mean, really how far does that HD signal go and, and really who can hear it? Actually pretty good. I mean, it's, it's surprising how much more efficient digital, um, the digital signal is from the analog. Analog is a very inefficient way to broadcast. We knew that back from, the days of amateur radio where, you know, code, you know, um, is far better than, than voice, you know, in terms of, um, you know, what you can do with limited like Morse code, Morse code. Yes. Um, so, so digital broadcasting is just a very, very, very advanced version of Morse code, you know, on and off. That's all it is. And it is far, far, far more efficient. So you don't need a hundred Watts to do the same thing. So, so when you're looking at the digital signal, um, 100 watts would probably quadruple our power. I mean, I'm, that's not real math, but I mean, I'm I'm making a point there. It's um, that that's really the the issue isn't whether you can do as much power as your analog signal. The issue is whether what you have is good enough to do the job. If everyone went to digital, we would all need about 10 percent or 10 percent of the power we're doing for you know for for analog broadcasting. Analog broadcasting is very 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 power intensive. So how far does your signal go? I mean, so what kind of uh, reception is there? What I found was that our, our reception for HD is – I'm, I'm, I'm kind of waffling on this one because it is about the same, but I noticed that it reacts differently. Um, thing, t- there were times when our analog signal kind of you know, would, would, would cut out traditionally, and when I had the HD radio and I was doing the same test – what would happen is the HD would would kick in and be there where the analog si- signal would 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 be kind of uh, kind of poor. There are times when the an- the the HD signal actually works where the analog signal doesn't, and um, and then vice versa. So what happens is is that together between the analog and the uh, and the um, digital, it actually made our signal on our main channel, much more robust. Now, of hmm. course, you don't have that for your HD2 and HD3 uh, signal. You don't have that mix of analog. But I guess my point is, is that's at a very low wattage. That's at, uh, you know, four watts, which is what we're operating right now. And, and what kind of radius are we talking about, just generally speaking, for your signal? Standard LFM radius for us, when, when they said three, mi- three and a half, uh, roughly three and a half miles, that's really our reliable coverage is about three and a half miles radius from our transmitter, mostly because we're right in the middle of the commercial um, broadcast band. And we're also right between the San Francisco market and the Sacramento market. So you got market number four, which is about 40 miles away from us or 50 miles. And then you've got 40 to 50 miles away for a medium sized market, which would be the Sacramento market there. It, it's a very, very noisy dial. And so, um, and so, our channel is is just a noisy channel. So we're, we're going to get about three, three and a half miles, no matter what. You've got a lot of stations and, on either side of you on the dial. Oh, on either side and co-channel and everything. And so uh, you end up with a lot of a lot of little things that big stations don't have to deal with, but LPFM stations do. 
um, that that's something that's always going to be an issue because in LPFM, your listeners, if they're in their car, at one point, they're going to get to the edge of your service um, contour. They're going to. There's no choice because it's only a few miles. You don't have to drive a few miles to get to the edge. Now, full full service stations don't have to deal with that in their city of license, you know. So um, we have different um, needs for right. LPFM than the commercial stations would have. Mm-hmm. And you you mentioned uh, HD2 and 3. These are the sub-channels that are only receivable, they're digital, only receivable on an HD radio, which principally is what people have in their cars or in so many home receivers. Um, are you running those HD2 and 3 channels? Are you running extra channels? Yes, we are. We're running uh, all of them because I wanted to do it all. By the way, that's what adds that extra five grand. You know, you could, you could LPFMs could, could cut you know, a third of their cost simply by not doing the, the, um, the, the sub channels, which requires additional equipment, which was included in what I estimated would be the cost of going HD. Um, and I actually paid for that myself because I just wanted to, you know, to help out and, 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 and include that into the package. But, um, yeah, we do HD2 and HD3 in the kids program, um, those stations as well. And those aren't quite as robust because you don't have the, the analog to um, – Yeah, right. The HD radios will, will shift between the analog and digital signals sort of dynamically so that the listener isn't quite so aware that you're shifting between the two different signals. Uh, but with the HD2 or HD3, it, it's either there or it's not. Yeah, exactly. And so and so that, you know, again, that that's you know, every little bit helps, especially with LPFM um, and then HD three. We're using what's called extended hybrid, which actually is closer to our analog signal, which means that they can interfere. And so what that means is that the HD channel is a little less robust than HD2. So it kind of goes down the down the list in terms of that. But for HD3, mostly what we program on that one is um, news, uh, news from the school aimed at parents. So um, that kind, that program is just mono. It's just, it's a low band uh, bandwidth um, broadcast that uh, uh, the school can put in their newsletters and broadcast that to parents. And so we don't need that to be a real robust channel, but we found a use for it. And it, it seems to work real well in that regard. Is sure. most of the school community within that three mile radius, would you say? I would say that uh, our, our, service area covers most all of Vacaville, which is our our city of license. That's what my interest was covering. And that's what we're doing where the hills keep us from going into another town, which is right next to us called Fairfield. Um, we Our signal doesn't go into that at all. So uh, into that town. So uh, we're happy to uh, to cover Vacaville. And uh, yeah, we, we cover Vacaville fairly well. And I was I'm always interested in high school radio. So I think your station is interesting uh, for so many reasons. You know, not only are you LPFM and HD, but also high school radio, which is another minuscule category of the radio landscape. So, Except I'm, for us, it's the biggest because that's what I – if someone were to ask me what kind of station I have, I wouldn't say LPFM. Um, I relate as a, as a high school teacher and a grade school teacher, actually, I teach elementary, middle, and high school. And um, and so most of the people I deal with in terms of other radio stations um, are actually high school and, you know, school radio station advisors, mostly high school. We've been an IBS member for years, even before we got our 
license. And um, we're, we're just more into that end of, of broadcasting. Um, I, I can't really seem to find much of a connection. There, there's no LPFM community per se. Everybody has their own agenda, you know, in, set once they get their license. So mostly for LPFM, it's everybody kind of gathers together to help people get on the air. But once they're on the air, then they have their own, you know, groups and and ideas and they kind of go off and take care of that which i guess is what lpfm is all about so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of totally okay with that yeah and it's such lpfm it's such a diverse community the lpfm community <laughs> so i can understand why you would connect with the high school radio scene um mm-hmm. and i know you're part of this sort of new high school radio consortium where programming has been shared. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I started that because I wanted, I wanted to get the kids to, um, to have that opportunity to do live radio. And that's uh, on a network level there, there, you know, with all these great high school radio stations across the country. And I, I know of at least 60 of them that I correspond with, you know, uh, quite often. And they're wonderful, wonderful folks all over the the nation. And uh, but there's nothing connected. I go, you know, man, we all have radio stations. What if we all took turns, you know, and 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 gave the kids an, an hour a week, and we just agree, you know, just an, on the honor system, that every week it'd be um, a station's turn. And I have a little, what do you call it, call it sign-up genius. It's a little app that I have out there, and each they they go in and they sign up for an hour each station. And um, we just log on to their stream, every other station, and broadcast for one hour um, their program. And so they can have their kids go on and actually do a network show. And uh, that's, you know, it's something that gives kids a, it, it, it feels different being on a microphone and knowing that, you know, you're, you're on 19 or 20 radio stations across the country than just your own, you know. So it, it gives the kids a, a different dynamic. And I was expecting just a couple stations to log, you know, to log on to the idea. And it turned out that we have 19. So it worked out really well. That's pretty amazing. Um, and can you tell me a bit about the history of, of radio on your campus and when it started? Well, um, it started, uh, like I said, actually, it started a little bit before the, um, the first LPFM window. Uh, and I did this primarily for my music students as a um, an exercise for music appreciation. I, I was trying to get kids to start to articulate why they listen to the music that they do. We would have these um, mock radio shows where they would choose music and then and, and describe something about it, what, what they like about the band, what they like about, uh, you know, what makes it catchy to them, What, why they listen to it, and when they listen to it. Hey everyone, this is Holly. Hey guys, it's Luis. And this is VCS Radio. So um, today we have a song by Blackpink. I don't know. I like this song. <laughs> yeah, it was really catchy. Um, the girl who sang the first verse had a really nice voice. Yeah, um, they... Blackpink just debuted like last year mm-hmm. or something. We've played a couple of their songs yeah. in some of our segments. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like their songs and um, they're a Korean girl group mm-hmm. and I think there's four members. Yeah, they're really good. I like their aesthetic. I like how they're not like, because um, like over the past like few years, like K-pop 
k-pop girl groups they always like make them like super cutesy mm-hmm. and girly but i like how this one's like they're more like tomboyish yeah i guess and yeah yeah and they look like tough <laughs> i had set up a part 15 am station here a campus radio station for a couple years and you know it's one of those you know oh you're 150 feet away can you hear us that kind of station and um we had that for quite some time on am and um then the kids started doing you know football games and baseball games and they started doing talk shows and everything kind of uh, started getting you know a little bit bigger than my original plan was and so i went ahead and went for the lpfm and of course we got disappointed on that first window but we kept going you know after that and uh, mostly um, event broadcasting and things of that nature. So uh, that's really how it all started was 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 that. And we still have that kind of format now. We have what we call a, a we call it a take five format, where the kids produce five minute segments. They can't go beyond five minutes. And um, they if they choose a, a if they decide to play a piece of music, they have to talk about it. They got to tell us why they picked it. What you know give some understanding of, of, of why they selected the music that they did. And then uh, that goes into uh, you know, the standard rotation. And then once they get experience with that, they can, um, they can apply to come in and do a, a one hour or two hour live show. And even the live show, it's broadcast live, but then they have to edit those into five minute segments and that goes on. I think we have close to 3000 segments running now and it just hundreds come in every week, you know, so they kind of rotate in and out. So our station is kind of weird in that it changes constantly. So it, it's a very diverse type of format. We don't have any special format and I don't uh, require that they play a certain type of music. They just do it and go with it. And sometimes they decide not to play any music at all. They'll just talk about something silly and uh, sort of that or that matters to them or, you know, sometimes even politics. I mean, they, it's surprising how aware kids are about the world around them. So it's kind of fun to, to see their take on things. I got my phone stolen in Italy. Okay. Really? I was How? Yeah, tell us the story on that. It was just not it's like not even good. So yeah, I was just sitting down and I just like went to text not text my mom. I didn't have service. I went to like go get my phone out of my pocket to see what time it was and it wasn't there and I looked on the steps I was sitting on and it was like not there. And then just like started crying because you know, <laughs> um, iPhone 4s. But at the airport, I dropped it, and so the back like shattered. And so, well, ha-ha at least I got for that a bad person. Phone. Yeah. <laughs> so if people are intrigued listening to this, will they be able to catch the station over the summer? Because I'm I'm assuming that you're nearing the end of the school year. Yeah, yeah, no, we we broadcast twenty four hours a day, and so the the kids also have programming that they have set up recorded specifically for the summer. So we have a long list of programs that haven't been aired yet that will go on over the summer in order to fill summer slots. And then we have kids coming in to do live shows and things over the summer. So we've got quite a quite a long list, and that's for our main channel. Um, HD two is all programming done by the kids uh, their own music it's only for kids that develop new music that produce you know beats that they like or or we have a a big um, music composition program here and so a lot of the kids uh, try out their compositions and our, our orchestra and jazz band you know does a lot of stuff and they go out and record them in a studio and bring them in and so there's there's ton of stuff some kids go out and record you know 
um, a, you know, the ocean for 10 minutes, you know, we put that on. I, I don't really care. As long as it goes on and they've created it themselves, then that's what HD2 is. It's all student-produced stuff, and there's quite a bit of that uh, programming that, that goes on. And then that also carries on our main channel on Saturdays so that people that don't have HD can still hear it. You're listening to Radio Survivor, the sound of strong communities. I'm Paul Riesmandel, and joining me this week is co-host Jennifer Waits. Our guest is Ralph Martin from Vacaville Christian Schools in Vacaville, California. And we're talking about the very unique high school radio station that Ralph manages, which also happens to be perhaps the only low-power radio station in the country that is also broadcasting digitally with HD radio. In the background, we're listening to a track composed by Vacaville students and played by the VCS Radio Jazz Ensemble and played on their radio station, KVCVLP. You can learn more about anything we discuss on this episode in our show notes at radiosurvivor.com slash podcast. Look for episode number 94. If you have any comments about the show, please send them our way, podcast at radiosurvivor.com. Now let's return to our interview with Ralph Martin of Vacaville Christian Schools radio station, KVCB LP. For the online signal, is that just the H, the main HD? Yeah, that's signal? that's the main. Yeah, that's just the main channel, and it's the main channel. And, and because we we eventually program everything that's on HD two and HD three into the main channel anyway. If someone wanted to hear something specifically, as long as they you know logged in at the right time, they'd be able to hear it. Um, the advantage of the HD two and HD three is that it's it's always there, so they can listen to it and hear what the kids are producing and stuff like that. So that's what that's, that's why we did that for HD2 and HD3. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing to think about all of these student compositions being on the air. And, and I know you're part of this broader radio conservatory, which sounds like a dream conservatory for those of us who are super obsessed with radio and music. Well, it's weird because our, like our school orchestra is called the VCS Radio Symphony. Our jazz ensemble is VCS Radio Jazz Ensemble, and that name has been there because they were doing internet and Part 15 broadcasting. It was long before we ever had our license. So if anything, we're, we're kind of, and we share the same facilities. So uh, our main stu- our, our biggest studio is where the orchestra rehearses. And uh, actually for, for um, the music side of this, their their big specialty is film scoring. That's what they do, and their main um, exercise is scoring uh, silent films. And then they the the symphony um, performs these original scores with the silent films at our local movie theater. You know, like a sixteen plex theater, and we rent one of the auditoriums and run the silent film with the orchestra between the screen and the first row of seats. And I conduct from the second row, and um, we produce these live. And um, it's and they're called the VCS Radio Symphony, even during those performances. So it, it kind of gets the name of our station out there. And uh, if anything, the station's kind of the, the head of everything and everything else in the department seems to fall under that. Wow. I need to follow up because you mentioned that you had an online station and then you did Part 15, which many of our listeners will know Part 15 means uh, legal 
unlicensed radio. How long did you do the the, the Part 15 Super Micro Power uh, broadcast? Oh, my. Boy, we've been doing that. Um, my goodness. I call it broadcasting to squirrels. You know, we have a lot of squirrels on campus. <laughs> Um, we've been broadcasting to squirrels since oh, a lot, lot, maybe, um, well, it was nine, 1997, I guess is when we started that. Oh my. And so we had been doing that for a long time. We're not doing it now because there's, there's no point in it anymore for us. Um, but, um, it was, it was, it was a, it was a good campus type radio station set up and, and we were happy to do it. We had actually, up to 10, we have about 10 transmitters around, you know, at various spots. And then we would feed all of them and, and broadcast, um, um, boy, for a number of years. It's good in the daytime. At nighttime, of course, when Skywave comes in, there's so no... So were you doing this on AM or FM? Oh, it's all AM. Yeah, all yeah, AM, FM where, where was, you get more where you get more distance from your uh, signal there. Right, because because uh, Part 15 FM is uh, restricted by, um, by the actual um, signal. Yeah. Whereas AM is restricted by your setup, your 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 output and antenna length. Right. Your FM can only ever go so far. Whereas with AM, you, it's it's how much power you put in in the size of your antenna. So you have a little bit more yeah, and to it's play like, with. There's a play because the 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 thing is how how efficient you can make your system. If you can make your system super efficient, you can actually get farther. And of course, I'm not sure how many students probably had AM radios even in 1997. Back back then, more than you think, because remember, these kids didn't have right. you know, smartphones back then. You know, they had flip phones. You know, and they might have had they might have still had a Walkman or a CD player that had a radio in it. Had radios. They, there was no problem with radios back then. They may not have used them for anything, but they had them. And, um, you know, AM is just a, is a matter of flipping a little switch and there it was, you know, so, and the sound was horrible and, you know, because it's AM radio and, and, and the kids, you know, back then they, with, with, with the, uh, first generation MP3 players that were just horrible sounding. I mean, they were used to horrible sounding things. That was just, you know, part of the, part of the culture at the time. <laughs> and uh, things have gotten better, you know, as far as, as far as quality, and it, it changed the landscape for broadcasting. And we, you know, I, it, it was it was weird because the second time I applied for for LPFM in the in the 2013 window, um, things were different. It was it was fascinating to see just how the mindset, even my own mindset, had changed over the 13 years. Did you have a college or high school radio background before? No, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, it was just a matter of um, of research and figuring it out. I mean, when I was in sixth grade, I had an amateur radio license. Um, never kept it up, you know, but it was a, it was a fleeting interest that I had at the time. And um, then, uh, you know, believe it or not, that for some reason, part of that kind of came back to me, and I, I guess I could I could thank that 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 interest in. Um, in ham radio as, as, as part of what kind of said, you know, this is possible, this is doable. And I think that helped me with the part 15 and it certainly, certainly helped with, um, with, um, the LPFM once we got going, because, you know, we don't have the help of an engineer. That's another thing that LPFM stations often deal with is that there are very, very few, um, opportunities for LPFM stations to actually have a real, 
you know, a broadcast engineer helping them with their with their setup. So, you know, you're you're kind of dealing with your own research and your own A-frame ladder up on the roof and setting things up and making things happen. So it's been uh, it's been that kind of thing for me. It's it, your station sounds so fascinating on so many levels. So I'm I'm really excited that you came on the podcast today. It's a fascinating journey you've been on, Ralph. I, I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Well, thank you for having me, and I, I appreciate uh, your interest. And that was Ralph Martin. He is the Conservatory Education Director for Vacaville Christian Schools in Vacaville, California. He says he's a music teacher, and he's also the operations manager for their radio station, KVCB LPFM. And he was sharing uh, their very unique journey of becoming, as far as I know, the first and only HD radio capable LPFM station, never mind the first HD radio capable high school station, probably I'm going to guess as well. I know. Although I guess that we could use to, uh, to investigate that a little bit. I know Jennifer, you, you, <laughs> you were really enjoying learning about, uh, this particular high school station and cause high school radio and college radio are two of your passions. Yeah. And I mean, I think, well, clearly, clearly, clearly now this is on the top of my list of places I want to visit. <laughs> um, because, you know, technically, it's fascinating that they've decided to go HD while being LPFM, um, despite all of the obstacles and having to kind of learn as they go. So that's fascinating. And and it's also fascinating that it's part of this broader radio conservatory um, that does all these incredible things um, with having a radio symphony orchestra and kind of blows my mind. A lot of this sounds like, you know, things, I, I just wonder how many high schools have orchestras like this that are scoring silent films and, I know. and, and doing interesting radio projects. So it, it sounds like a dream school that I would have wanted to have attended, <laughs> you know, for all of these arts opportunities. So it's interesting that the radio is just a small part of this broader project. And, um, and I'm also really intrigued by the HD two channel with, you know, it sounds like some pretty experimental music compositions that, that the students are creating. So I think that's a pretty interesting use of one of the HD channels, you know, airing student work like that and, and kind of a rare opportunity for students to have their work broadcast over the terrestrial airwaves. So that's amazing yeah. too. It, what was so interesting to hear is how Ralph, you know, encourages them to do just about anything that might be, you know, legal to do. He mentioned that you know maybe some students would go record the ocean. So it sounds like some of this could be soundscapes or their own compositions, or they can talk and 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 they just have to keep it to the five minutes. And I, I love that discipline. Because – and that's a discipline often I feel like community and college radio could use or even, uh, you know, uh, podcasting where, you know, trying to, to, to get things honed down so that, you know, it's succinct 
and maybe you trim a little bit of fat and, you know, I mean, that's sort of always the, the discipline of broadcast even compared to podcasting, right? You have to kind of fit into the broadcast clock, whether it's a half an hour, an hour or, or you know, in some cases, three to five minutes. And I think that kind of training, you know, to try and get it, you know, fill out that five minutes it's kind of a, it's kind of fascinating and 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 fantastic um, training. I mean, not just for radio or for podcasting or for audio, but in general, you know, for for writing and for, for anything, any creative process. It, uh, I, I found it, I'm I, I'm also endlessly fascinating, fascinated. Uh, so, but Jennifer, you know, we talk about you know college radio frequently and high school radio here, um, and maybe you know, can you sort of uh, quick quickly and succinctly sort of sum up why, why you think like a program like this would be, would be important for high schoolers, right? Because I think often people think about uh, college or high school radio in the back of their heads and think, well, we're training, you know, it's a training program. It's sort of vocational, right? And so we're training kids to become radio hosts or something. And now there's not much of a radio industry left. You know, there's not as many jobs. So what would be the purpose of, of having, you know, a radio program, especially one this, this sort of extensive in a high school situation, what do you think? Well, I mean, he, it's interesting. He told us from the beginning, it started out as um, an extension of music appreciation. So for him anyway, he wanted to use radio as a way for students. It was a format for them to talk about a piece of music and why they liked it. So it, which is kind of interesting to me because I came into college radio because of an interest in music. So a lot of people, that's their first introduction to radio is music. So having that lens is sort of interesting. So you can see the curricular connections with a school that has a really strong emphasis on music. Um, so that's one part of it. Um, he has students programming stations. So they're getting sort of a real world experience that will serve them well, whether or not they go into radio. But it's just a way... I think for a high school student to have an opportunity to run an entire creative project, whether it's editing the high school newspaper or um, literary magazine or the radio station, I think regardless of whether or not that's a career, that's a very valid experience and great skills that you can take to any sort of leadership or, or creative challenge in the future. A lot so, of soft skills, you might say, and that yeah. gets talked about quite a bit now, especially in business, where you know they, in addition to having, uh, you know, a, a particular kind of technical skill or something like that, you want people to be able to manage their time, help you know, collaborate with other people, work in teams, hit deadlines, all those sorts of things that that are are not necessarily trained directly, but but often are an outcome of working on on a project like this. I think. Yeah. And also we're increasingly in a multimedia world. So I think more people today are required to have some sort of knowledge of how to put together an audio segment. Um, and even, you know, today we recorded this conversation on Skype and, and so a variety, there are a variety of ways that, you know, things that maybe not everybody needed to know how to do in the past. Um, maybe only a few people had to know how to um, record audio, maybe only if you were going into that sort of field. But I feel like regardless of what field you go into, there are these expectations that you're going to know how to use a microphone and um, know how to record an audio conversation on your computer. 
So I think increasingly these are skills that everybody needs to learn. Right, yeah. right. So. And, and and with video, many more people are expected to be able to do video. And frankly, if you're making video that contains sound, being able to record good sound is sometimes more important than getting the most excellent picture. Because if the sound, especially a voice, is not comprehensible, your video is much less useful, if not useless. Um, so I think, I think that's a great point you make. Um, and you know, thinking about this HD experiment, <laughs> my mind is, is, is just, <laughs> uh, just spinning here. And, and, you know, it's a little bit of context and it's a few things which Ralph sort of, uh, he alluded to in the conversation is that, you know, HD radio is a little controversial and we've talked about it here, here on the show every so often because, uh, the technology is sort of grafted. It's grafting digital technology onto the current analog dial and it actually adds a little bit more signal. So it means that um, sometimes there's a, there's a potential for interference, uh, especially a higher power station with a lower power station that might not have been there before. Um, and it's a proprietary technology, Ron. It's one which is owned, as, as Ralph mentioned, now by a company called uh, DTS, which also makes uh, like home theater uh, surround sound encoding systems and other things like that. Which means that, you know, basically uh, the technology is patented. You have to license it. You have to pay a license fee to use HD radio. And that's why the encoders are more expensive. That's why there's all this extra added expense. And that's certainly one another reason why it's been controversial. And it's also been controversial because in other countries, in say the UK and in Europe, uh, they, they do have digital radio, but they use an entirely different standard called DAB. And DAB has its own dial, has its own bandwidth, so it doesn't it doesn't coexist with FM. You get a you get a separate receiver, but in places like the UK, uh, just about most radios now handle DAB and handle FM and AM. And as we talked about in the show, and it was in the news uh, a number of months ago, uh, Norway um, is one country which is shifting most of its broadcasting to this digital standard, and is and is in the process of shutting down a lot of its FM. Uh, analog broadcasts, at least in the major cities with the major broadcasters. But that's not true here in FM. We have this sort of, uh, in the US, we have this sort of uh, kind of compromise uh, situation, and which is why a lot of people have been critical. But there has been a lot of criticisms of, of HD radio on top of the fact that there aren't a lot of HD radios out there, receivers. Uh, you know, right. it's hard to it's hard to pick it up. Uh, we were talking before we started the show, Jennifer. You were talking about how you were in a rental car, right? And you heard HD radio. So a lot of newer models of cars will have an HD radio receiver built in, although you may not even realize it till you just sort of notice it working. Oh, yeah, um, that was my case. I was you know scanning the dial, and oh, here's these are HD channels. So I didn't even know it was an HD radio before getting in the car. Right, right, exactly. And then finding the HD 2 and 3 channels because they're not in your usual seek and scan necessarily. They're harder to pick up. They're often, you know, sort of invisible to a lot of people. And then, like, you're, it's very difficult to just go buy a radio that you're going to go, you know, carry around a portable radio, put in your house that has HD. There's one or two models out there. And I think often um, like home theater receivers will throw in HD radio, but those are $500, dollars mm. $1,000 things as opposed to just your regular radio. I've owned a couple. I've owned at least one uh, receiver that had uh, HD radio built in. But again, I think it's something that a lot of people don't notice. And then because of those lower power that we were talking about, 
um, as well with Ralph is that, uh, you know, if you don't have a really good antenna, if all you have maybe is a little piece of wire that comes with it, you might not be able to get the HD signals inside your house at all anyway. You know, there's just uh, there's a there's a lot of factors there, but it, it's it's an interesting experiment. And and what was interesting to me as well is how Ralph noted that you that the HD signal, because of you know the the uniqueness of it, that it it seemed to uh, sometimes work where the analog signal didn't, which is not necessarily the case with a 15 kilowatt station or you know a large commercial station. Um, and I, and so what I would love, <laughs> I'd love for you to visit Jennifer. I'd love for you to get a rental car <laughs> with HD radio so you can go test oh, yeah. it out. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you. It's interesting to think about like what what's the average listener experience. Is it mostly mm-hmm. people who are, you know, stagnant in one place listening to the station and then, you know, f- flipping back and forth if they want to get a better signal? Or is it mostly people driving in their cars who are coming in and out of it? Um, yeah, it's hard to know. That's I a mean, curious it, thing. Yeah, I mean, that, and that, I think that's a lot of the the LPFM experience anyway cause with with these low watt low wattage stations is that you know uh, because reception can be more spotty when you're further away from the station and certainly I know you know just from the new low power FM stations that are in, in my area I know a lot of people who listen to them online right they really rely on the online signal um, which you know they can also often get on their smartphones they can even stream it while they're driving you know especially in a city where there's good cell coverage and and so that a lot of uh, low power stations tend to also be you know really thought of as internet stations that happen to have a uh, a broadcast uh, presence and I was also fascinated by the fact that he <laughs> he snuck in that they started out with uh, part fifteen with uh, you know unlicensed legal low power <laughs> radio that you know and, I mean he's he's really kind of on the like on the t- forefront in with a lot like of ways. ten transmitters yeah yeah I mean that takes a lot of a lot of experimentation and engineering prowess to pull something like that off and and that's something which uh, a lot of people have experimented with and or at least there's been a lot of folks who have even proposed doing something like community radio or before low power FM existed something like low power FM at one point even uh, the Pacifica Foundation uh, and KPFK their LA station talked about setting up a network of low power AM legal licensed part 15 unlicensed part 15 transmitters around Los Angeles uh, to specifically provide uh, public affairs programming in Spanish. And uh, there was also an experiment of doing something uh, like that in in Massachusetts uh, back in the 90s. So sort of an outgrowth of the the pirate radio, you know, micropower unlicensed radio movement. Uh, there were folks who were like, well, let's let's, you know, sort of bring down the stakes. So instead of having, you know, a truly pirate 15, 20, 100 watt transmitter without a license, they thought, well, let's try to do this you know, under the rules for unlicensed. And, oh, yeah. And it, and it's kind of a challenge. And, and then you visited Kachung Radio in LA, which is an AM uh, Part 15 station as well. Right. And we also talked about some college radio stations that extended their carrier current broadcasts by setting up transmitters in town or who had planned to. I think Brooklyn Radio, like way decades ago, had talked about putting some transmitters like in town. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. So, you know, what, what we'll do is we'll put this all in our show notes. We're, we're making references to a lot of things we've talked about before on the show. If you just go to radiosurvivor.com slash podcast, uh, you can find references. Some of these will be will be articles. Some of these will be our past podcasts. But we'll, we'll give you references to everything we're talking about here because we, we don't expect you're going to be able to be sitting down and writing this all down. Um, you know, we also would love to hear from you, the listener. You know, have you had experience with any of this? Got any response? Responses or reactions to to all the amazing and interesting things that's happening there um, at uh, Vacaville uh, Christian Schools Interstation KVCB. Drop us a line. Just send us an email. Send it to podcast at radio survivor.com. And I just want to let you know that coming up next week, we're going to be dipping into another service uh, for kind of independent. DJs and can use be be used by radio stations to get their music online um, inexpensively or free. So we'll be learning more about a service called Mixcloud, and we should be talking also to an independent station that uses Mixcloud to um, and has had its own journey going from being an online streaming station to using this service Mixcloud. So that'll be on next week's show. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this edition. Happy to be here. Happy to be back. Uh, yes, yes. It's it's it, we've had we've had, you've had a few weeks off, and now you're back. And I think folks will be hearing more from you. you. We have many more radio tours to catch up on, so we'll be diving back into that uh, soon. Also, want to note that this is a listener supported program. Uh, we count on folks just like you to help us keep producing Radio Survivor and doing everything we do at radiosurvivor.com. You can learn how to support us at radiosurvivor.com slash support. Thank you so much for spending an hour of your time with us. We really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you.